What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is Islanders Award Winners, a podcast examining seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In this episode, we'll focus on the 1982-83 regular season, in which goaltenders Billy Smith and Rolly Melanson stabilized an inconsistent Islanders team and captured the franchise's first Jennings Trophy. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can find all of our podcasts, including our flagship show Islanders Anxiety and Weird Islanders the Podcast, by searching Islanders Anxiety in any podcasting app of your choice. At patreon.com slash islandersanxiety, you can subscribe monthly to receive ad-free episodes, bonus podcasts, and more. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Bill Smith and Rolly Melanson, Jennings Trophy, 1983. Not too many guys play like I do anymore. My motto is, you live by the sword and you die by it. And I'm willing to die by it. I've already told my wife that my career is going to end when, sooner or later, Someone gets through to me. But before then, a lot of guys are going to fall. Billy Smith in Sports Illustrated, 1982. We have as much confidence in Roley as we've ever had in Smitty or Chico. Roley has earned our confidence. Mike Bossy, The New York Times, 1983. What do you do once you've reached the mountaintop? For a professional athlete, it usually means finding a new mountain. But that can be easier said than done. In 1981, 21-year-old goaltender Kelly Rudy had a spectacular season. In the Central Hockey League, he compiled a 27-19-4 record, was named to the CHL All-Star team, and led all goalies with a 2.95 goals against average. In the postseason, he put up even better numbers and took the Indianapolis Checkers to the Central Hockey League Championship while being named MVP of the playoffs. Seasons don't get much better than that, but Rudy's next mountain would have to wait. He knew as much when he got a little playing time in an NHL preseason game in September 1982. Rudy played the final 30 minutes of a 3-2 exhibition loss to the Flyers, and he was fully aware that training camp might be the only time that season that he would get to wear a New York Islanders uniform. He told reporters, quote, It's hard to break into a team that's won three Stanley Cups. I don't see that they need a lot of help. He was right. The Islanders didn't need any help in the goaltending department, hadn't for quite some time. The man who had anchored the position since the franchise's first game was not only still playing, 
but at 32 years old, was at the peak of his powers. Billy Smith had been selected by GM Bill Torrey in the 1972 expansion draft from the Los Angeles Kings. After enduring two dreadful, dreary losing seasons, Smith and the Islanders began to turn things around. For the next five seasons, Smith would share the crease with Glenn Chico Resch, giving the Islanders one of the best goaltending tandems in the NHL. They even alternated games in the playoffs, where the team couldn't get over the hump and into the Stanley Cup final. After two devastating losses to Toronto and their bitter rivals the New York Rangers in consecutive years, Coach Al Arbor decided in the 1980 playoffs that the net would belong to Smith, and the Islanders' future changed forever. Smith's combative, competitive, cutthroat style helped drive the Isles past L.A., Boston, Buffalo, and Philadelphia to win their first championship. He won't shoot it from there, I don't think. He's covered in front, and Smith from this side. Back in front it goes! Down goes Billy Smith! Scramble! Billy Smith again! Another scramble! I can't believe my eyes! Billy Smith is stopping everything! Gary, when was the last time you saw a goaltending like that in such a crucial situation? Well, way back when Bernie Perron won a couple Stanley oh. Cups for Philadelphia, but time and time again. Now look at how everybody converges for the net. Smith is there. Perot is there. Just can't put it home. He's tough to beat. Oh, what goaltending. Two dominant regular seasons and postseasons followed as the Islanders became the first U.S.-based team to win three Cups in a row. In 1982, Smith was named the league's best goalie and was awarded the Vezina Trophy you can hear all about in our episode on it from last season. As Torrey summed up his franchise goaltender that season, quote, when I want to win a hockey game or walk down a dark alley, I know where Smitty will be. He'll be there. Smith also won an All-Star Game MVP award and a brand new car in 1978 and was even credited with scoring a goal in 1979. But Billy Smith wasn't the only formidable goaltender the Islanders had. Roland Melanson was drafted in the third round of the 1979 draft. After putting up his own excellent numbers for Indianapolis at the CHL, he was called up in 1981 to replace an injured Resch as Smith's backup. It wasn't long before Bill Torrey saw enough to convince him that he could trade the popular Resch to Colorado and roll with a Smith-Melanson tandem. This was no simple swap-out. Resch was a major fan favorite, and had been since he first came on the scene in 1975. His outgoing personality and fun style made for a great contrast with the deadly serious Smith. But with Melanson ready and Resch's value high, Torrey was right to pounce. The GM said later, quote, Let's face it, Chico was so popular and good for us that anybody who replaced him would be following a tough act. But we knew this day would come and we were prepared. Roly the goalie, then just 21, played extremely well in 1981-82, posting a 22-7-6 record and the fourth-best goals against average in the league. He also got his name on the Stanley Cup twice, mostly while watching the next two playoffs from the bench. Now with two championship seasons under his belt, Melanson was ready to break out and establish himself as more than just a good backup. After the trade, Melanson said of Resch, quote, I don't think there's a guy in this league with more class than Chico. He really helped me in training camp when I came up to the big club, and we became good friends. The fans had to understand that everyone has to move on sometime. It's just unfortunate that in this particular case, with me coming up, that it had to be him. As the 82-83 season was getting started, Rudy was 21 and Melanson just a year older. Smith was 32 during training camp and would turn 33 during the season. 
the relationship between all three men was good, and no one considered training camp a contest. But the questions of who would be on the final roster, and just how much longer Old Man Smitty would even be with the Islanders, were up in the air. As the sage Rudy said, quote, All three of us are playing for the same club. Rudy would soon be assigned back to Indianapolis, where he would spend the entire next season. So his time would have to wait. But the kid from Edmonton wasn't sweating it, saying after the preseason game against Philly, quote, The Islanders have treated me well, and no matter how things work out, I could always say I had a shot with the champs. Those champs were winless through three preseason games, having lost to the Flyers and Rangers and tying the Bruins. Management wasn't concerned, but Al Arbor was, vowing to get his veterans to work harder in the second week of the exhibition season. This would become a running theme throughout the season, as a three-time champ struggled to climb one more mountain. The Islanders' regular season started on October 5, 1981 in Vancouver, the exact spot where their third title run finished. This time, it was the Canucks who came out on top 2-1, to one, netting one more win than they had in the previous season's cup final. With Arbor attending his father's funeral, assistant coach Lorne Henning ran the bench. Billy Smith made 36 saves in a duel with one-time Islander Richard Brodeur. Thomas Gradine's early third-period goal was the difference. Two nights later in Calgary, Melanson would make 36 saves of his own in a disjointed 5-4 win over the Flame. It would be the first of eight straight wins to open the season for the club. The Islanders would win 10 of their first dozen contests, outscoring their opponents 68-30. Smith and Melanson would alternate for every game. After their four-game road trip, it was finally back to Nassau Coliseum for another Stanley Cup banner raising. After the ceremony, they blew out the Penguins 9-0, with Smith making 30 saves for his first shutout since March of 1981. They won the next four games of their homestand too, including a 5-4 win over Vancouver that saw a stick-swinging incident between old enemies Smith and Dave Tiger Williams. Four minutes into the game, Williams whacked Smith in the helmet with his stick and was immediately ejected, thanks to the NHL's new intent-to-injure rule. Of course, Tiger claimed Smith hit him first in a, quote, bad place, and the Islanders' goalie was given a five-minute major for slashing. Williams was eventually suspended for seven games by the league, proving once again that fighting Billy Smith was usually a losing proposition. Meanwhile, Melanson was also winning games. He made 27 saves and a 4-1 win over the Kings, and 22 in a 6-3 victory over Washington. Sure, Kent Houston scored a hat-trick on him, but Brian Trottier countered with a hat-trick of his own, and Bob Bourne had four points. That win gave them a franchise-best 7-0-1 start to a season and made them 25-0-2 in their last 27 home games. A 5-2 win over the Rangers increased both of those streaks by one. Dennis Potvan, who scored his first goal of the season, praised Smith's performance, saying, quote, Smitty was the key. If it wasn't for him, the Rangers could have gone ahead 4-2 in the first period. A 4-3 loss in Chicago on October 24th snapped their winning streak at 8. Rookie Troy Murray launched a third-period slap shot from 15 feet out that beat Melanson, who made 26 saves, including this one on a short breakaway by Daryl Sutter. The left wing, needs the puck, right wide in the zone zone. Thomas Johnson, the top end, it was stolen by Sutter. Melanson gambled and won, came out and knocked it away from Daryl Sutter. Smart move, quick play, good reflexes by goaltender Roly Melanson. Here's Bossy in the Chicago zone. Around Brown, he shoots on the doorstep. It's across the goal line, and the Islanders lead one to nothing. Slow motion as Bossy got it up in the air. Esposito comes out, 
It lands in the goal mouth and just wiggles its way across the goal line. It happened again, Jake. Down at the Islanders, end of the ice. Roland Melanson saves the goal. Back come the Islanders. They followed that up with three more victories. A 7-2 beatdown of Calgary, in which Smith had 15 saves and one slashing penalty, and back-to-back wins over the newly minted New Jersey Devils. The former Colorado Rockies were no match for the Islanders, even with former Isle Chico Resch in the crease. The losses were their fourth and fifth in a row and would be part of an epic 0-14-4 slump. Melanson and Smith split the games as usual, with the former picking up a 4-2 win at Brendan Byrne Arena and the latter backstopping an 8-5 victory at Nassau Coliseum. Despite winning 10 of their first 12 games, going 30 straight home games without a loss, and it being his 50th birthday, Coach Al Arbor was not happy. He told reporters after that, quote, forgettable home win over New Jersey that, quote, they're playing like they want me to be 100 overnight. They're going to have a day off tomorrow, but it's not on merit. Of chief concern was the lack of defensive structure and physical play and a tendency to assume that they could just score at will. Arbor added, quote, sure, we've got the firepower to hold on, but we're playing badly in too many areas. We can't keep up like that. Players John Tonelli, who scored one of the Islanders' two shorthanded goals in the game, and Mike Bossy, who scored goals 13 and 14 already on the season, agreed that something was off. Bossy said after the game, quote, If we would have been up against a team that's higher in the standings, we might have gotten clobbered. Everyone was right to be concerned. The season-opening hot streak and the almost year-long home unbeaten streak both came to an end with a 3-1 loss to Pittsburgh on November 2nd. While the Penguins celebrated finally beating the team that had taunted them in a blowout a season before, Arbor fumed. He told reporters, quote, You could see it coming. We've been going against the grain. Sometimes you can get away with it, but this time it caught up with us. Maybe they'll smarten up tomorrow. A 3-3 tie in Detroit gave the Islanders just one point in back-to-back games against teams in last place in their respective division. And Arbor was not in a charitable mood, saying, quote, We were fortunate to come out with a tie. Our guys thought they could just skate out there and do what they wanted, but the air came out of their balloon. Although they had gotten away from their winning ways, at the start of November, the Islanders were 11-3-1, in first place in the Patrick Division, and still had their strengths, namely in net. Melanson led the entire NHL with a 2.71 goals against average, and had won five of his first seven starts. But a 6-3 loss to the Flyers, in which they gave up three goals in the third period, had the alarm bells really ringing. Their team defense had abandoned them, and Arbor said they were playing, quote, on two cylinders instead of eight. Arbor was surprisingly pleased with another tie in the rematch with Philly, saying his team, quote, worked hard for once. The Islanders earned a 2-2 deadlock thanks to Mike Bossy's 15th goal of the season. But the star once again was Billy Smith, who made 28 saves to lower his goals against average to 2.66. Smith had not lost since the season opener, and praised, quote, his men for playing well in front of him. Brian Trottier said Smith, quote, made at least four extraordinary saves and four others that were more than routine. Well, that's what he gets paid for. But fans at Nassau Coliseum were starting to get antsy. They don't like watching losses and made their disapproval known in the last two home games. Thankfully, the Islanders got a much-needed win in St. Louis on November 9th to stop their winless skid at four games. Bob Nystrom scored twice, and everyone agreed that the defensive effort and intensity was finally back. Melanson, who had lost three of his last four starts, made 19 saves, several of them excellent. He said of his mini-slump, quote, 
It wasn't the end of the world, but our fans take a lot for granted. Maybe we do too. Even Al Arbor felt things were starting to turn around for his club. Mm, not quite. They would drop the next two on the road, a 2-0 shutout in Minnesota, in which Smith made 32 saves, and a 3-1 loss in Washington, where Melanson made 25. The defeat was just the beginning of what would be a brutal stretch for Roley the goalie. He would go winless in seven games, from the middle of November to the beginning of December. Not only would the Islanders struggle, but they were starting to get bit by the injury bug. Dennis Potvan, Tomas Janssen, and Mike McEwen all missed the loss to the Caps, leaving Gord Lane, Dave Langevin, and Ken Morrow as the only regulars on the blue line. Ironically, defensive call-ups Darcy Regeer and Paul Boudelier would help them grab a 4-2 win over Edmonton. But it was Smith's 22 saves against the high-powered Oilers offense that really helped stabilize things, and would prove to be a preview of things to come much later in the season. After a 3-1 loss in Boston, in which Milan's had made 21 saves and drew the ire of the entirety of Bruins Nation by slashing Terry O'Reilly and not getting a penalty for it, Smith picked up his 200th career win in Chicago. The occasion wasn't as happy as it could have been since the Islanders blew a 3-1 lead and needed goals by Bob Bourne and Tomas Janssen in the final six minutes to beat the Blackhawks. And the celebration wouldn't last very long. In their very next game, the Islanders would get blown out by the Rangers 7-3. Smith started the game but was pulled after giving up five goals in the first two periods. He spent the rest of the game hearing the Madison Square Garden crowd derisively chanting, We want Smith! as he sat on the end of the bench. Melanson started the third and was beaten twice by center Mark Pavlik, who earned his first NHL hat trick. Afterward, perhaps not to give his enemies the satisfaction of seeing him sweat, Smith laughed it off, saying, quote, It was just one of those nights, my first bad one of the year. No excuses, eh? I wasn't playing well, and it was a good move on Al's part. He could have let me suffer. Instead, he did me a favor. It was the first time Smith had been pulled in a game in over a year and a half. And he wouldn't have to wait long for another. Arbor gave Smith another start in their next game, a home tilt against Minnesota. And once again, the stalwart had to be yanked, this time even earlier. The North Stars went up 5-3 after scoring two quick goals to start the second period, and Arbor made the call to replace his starter. Melanson made 18 saves to help the Islanders earn a very 80s 8-8 tie, but things were not good. Defenseman Stefan Person called it, quote, awful. Melanson called it, quote, one of those nights. Smith, who was dressed and ready to bolt the locker room right afterward, blamed himself and no one else. Al Arbor chose to not even meet with reporters. Everyone needed a break. Playing four games every seven days was starting to wear on the veteran team. They used an off day in late November to play tennis and racquetball at the gym owned by center Wayne Merrick, located on the border of Seaford and Wontaw. Arbor, in a much better mood than he was the night before, complained about the packed schedule, but gave his beleaguered starter a pass, saying, quote, Smith was going through a stage. The coach added, quote, remember, goaltenders are at the mercy of the guys playing in front of them. Melanson put minds at ease in Boston on November 25th with 31 saves, several of which were called, quote, acrobatic in the New York Times. But they needed a Mike Bossy goal with less than four minutes left to secure a 1-1 tie. Melanson was happy with the tie, but Bob Bourne said, quote, Something is missing. I don't know if the other teams are finally catching up or we're receding. The Islanders were 2-4-2 in their last eight overall and 0-3-3 in their last six road games. Arbor rewarded Melanson with a start in their next game, at home against the Rangers. 
and this time it was Roley's turn to get the yank after giving up three goals in two periods. The Islanders would lose three to nothing, and Arbor lamented his team's lack of aggressiveness and balance, rather than blame the goalie. Quote, Roley had no chance the way things were going. I put in Smitty in the third period to see if anything would develop. The only thing that ended up developing was the Rangers' first win at Nassau Coliseum since 1979. The Islanders fought back to secure a 3-3 tie in Washington thanks to a Clark Gillies goal with a minute and a half remaining. Although they were 0-2-3 in their last five and clearly not playing up to their own lofty standards, the Islanders were in a fairly happy mood afterward, even battling Billy. Quote, I'm happy for Clarky, but I'm also happy for Bill Smith. I finally finished a game. Smith was even more pleased after their next game, a 3-2 win over St. Louis on November 30th. The goalie was outstanding, making 31 saves in the Islanders' first win in five games and first road victory in a month. Everyone hoped the slump, which Gillies called, quote, one of the biggest he could ever remember since joining the club, was coming to an end. Smith said afterward, quote, it's coming back for me. It's coming back for everybody. Well, not quite. They would lose their next two in Winnipeg and Toronto before getting a win in the rematch with the Leafs a few nights later at home. The loss to the Jets was described as, quote, atrocious by Newsday's Tim Moriarty, and Melanson had little help in avoiding his sixth loss in his last seven starts. The entire squad was outclassed by the Leafs in a 4-1 loss in Toronto, but they managed to beat them 6-3 at Nassau Coliseum on December 6th, following a speech made by GM Bill Torrey at practice. Quote, All I told the guys was they got themselves in this mess, and I had faith that they were capable of getting out of it. Melanson, who was winless in seven games, made 29 saves and was just happy to get more than one goal of support from his teammates, who had scored a total of five goals in his last five starts. Per the pattern established over the last month, the Islanders' return to form only lasted one game. After their win over Toronto, they were shut out 2-0 by a terrible Red Wings team and goaltender Corrado Mikalev. No, you've never heard of him. Detroit had the NHL's worst record and had snapped a 14-game winless streak just a few nights before. Now they had made the three-time champs look like a bunch of chumps. Arbor credited the anonymous Mikalev with making some, quote, outstanding stops, while Smith made a very ordinary 20. Afterward, Dennis Potvin subbed up the Islanders' situation, saying, quote, no one's in awe of us anymore. Arbor put his club through two long workouts after the embarrassment in Detroit, and it resulted in a 7-1 win over New Jersey, one of the NHL's other worst clubs that season. Melanson made just 17 saves for his second straight win, but the truth was that he didn't need to do much, while the Islanders piled up 31 shots against Chico Resch and the hapless devil. Halfway through December, it had been a tale of two seasons for the Islanders. They won 11 of their first 13 games and looked to dominate the NHL once again. Then they won just five of their next 20, and suddenly looked very, very vulnerable. Players claimed that they just needed to work harder, but it was obvious even from the outside that much more was wrong with the Islanders than just that. Al Arbor's wife Claire told Newsday's Tim Moriarty that, quote, Al has been depressed and angry. It's the angriest I've seen him in a long time. He clenches his teeth a lot, and when he does that, I know he's holding back because he's afraid to say something cruel. Neighbors and fans were stopping players on the street to ask him what was going on. Everyone except Billy Smith, of course, who told Moriarty in the same column, quote, I don't bother with the neighbors. Despite the consternation, the Islanders were still in first place in the Patrick Division, 8th in the NHL in scoring, 10th on the power play, and 6th on the PK. Plus, they had two of the better goalies in the league. 
They were an older team that had played the most games in the NHL to that point in the schedule. A bad month and a half didn't need to kill their entire season, and a few more wins would surely calm everyone down. After bearing their souls, the Islanders went out and lost again, this time to a Buffalo Sabres team led by an 18-year-old rookie named Phil Housley. Smith made 29 saves in the 5-3 setback, which just increased everyone's anxiety. John Tonelli said afterward, quote, You sit on the bench and you watch another line go out, and you see them make mistakes. Then you go out and make the same mistakes. Just little mistakes, but they lead to goals. Nothing Arbor tried, whether it was silence or speeches or psychology or punishment, was working. But his old boss and colleague, Scotty Bowman, didn't think they needed to hit the panic button yet. Quote, what the Islanders need is some games in their own division, some games against the Rangers and Flyers. If they don't beat those teams, then it will be serious. Bowman, as usual, had the right idea. The Islanders did beat the Rangers in their next game, with Melanson making 22 saves in a 5-2 win on December 17th. Mike Bossy's hat trick snapped a seven-game slump, which for him must have felt like an eternity. After the game, the Islanders were in such a good mood that they were singing Christmas carols in the locker room. But a look at the standings showed the reality of their situation. They had gone from a double-digit lead in the division to a seven-point lead and now just a three-point cushion over the charging Flyers. The spread stayed the same after a 4-4 tie between the clubs at Nassau Coliseum the next night. Melanson got his second straight start and made 27 saves. It was the first time the 22-year-old had started back-to-back games on consecutive nights. And Arbus said, quote, I thought Rowley's been playing more excellently. He's more mature, more confident. And what did Billy Smith think of getting the weekend off? Well, he was just fine with it. Quote, Rowley's going good. The most important thing is get the points. That's hockey. He's a good goalie. They wouldn't have given up Chico Resch if Roley wasn't a good goalie. Getting three out of four points in two emotional games had the Islanders thinking they were close to finding their groove again. And again, they were wrong. They came back from three to one down to tie the Nordiques, but Melanson got pulled in the process. And they needed to kill a critical penalty without Arbor, who had been lost to a shoulder injury he sustained in trying to hold Bob Nystrom back from joining a brawl. Yes, that is correct. According to the coach, quote, I had him by the sweater, and he pulled my shoulder right out of the socket. Jeez. Smith admitted to being physically tired and mentally frustrated before his week off, which he welcomed. But in his first start in several days, he took a 5-1 loss to Washington, in which Arbor said the upstart Caps made the Islanders look, quote, like a last-place hockey club, and our players accepted graciously. Smith sounded the most frustrated, telling Newsday, quote, this is too long a slump. What's scary is that we're not scoring. This team used to be able to score goals at the right time. We were down 3-1. We weren't out of it. Now we get one, and we can't get a second. Arbor said he was out of patience, and it was easy to see why. The Islanders were 7-12-7 in their last 27 games. Their lead in the division had eroded. They couldn't score and weren't playing their usual brand of staunch defense. Even teams like the Capitals, who had never beaten the Islanders in Uniondale in 18 tries going back nine seasons, were showing them up. Now Washington and Philadelphia were both right behind the Islanders in the standings. After a 3-2 win at Hartford on the day after Christmas, just barely halfway through the season, the Islanders were 19-14-7. The dominating performances of the previous seasons were a memory. Maybe the only Islander who was rolling was Roley the goalie, who made 27 saves and who was singled out by John Radasta of the New York Times as being, quote, superb. It was in the next game, 
a 5-1 loss to the Sabres on New Year's Eve, where the wheels would finally come off the Islanders and their starting goal. Buffalo scored three times in the third period to turn a 2-1 game into a rout. Billy Smith, who was winless in his previous four games, let frustration get the better of him and racked up 16 minutes in penalties in the game. The three minors and a misconduct were souvenirs on the Islanders' trip out of first place and into second in the Patrick Division. They had spent over a full calendar year at the top of the standings, but now had fallen behind Philadelphia. When asked about why the Islanders had stumbled in the standings, Buffalo coach Scotty Bowman didn't mince words. It was all on Billy Smith. Quote, he lost the game, taking all those penalties. When he does that, it works against the Islanders in two ways. He fires up the other team and has a disruptive influence on the Islanders. In an article about the Rangers and Islanders at the midseason mark, Blue Shirts goalie John Davidson also laid the blame on his Long Island counterpart. Quote, I hear he's out of shape. I know he doesn't like to practice, so maybe it's finally catching up with him. After a 2-1 loss to Pittsburgh on New Year's Day, the Islanders would find themselves in unfamiliar territory, third place, behind the Flyers and Capitals. The loss wasn't the fault of Melanson, who made 33 saves, but it was the Islanders' third loss in a row, and with little hope of a turnaround. Players were looking inward. Bossy and Trottier publicly shouldered a lot of the blame. Things were so bad that even Billy Smith, notoriously adverse to any kind of training or practice of any kind over his previous decade in the NHL, actually started hitting the weight room. That's how you know he was desperate. When we come back, the Islanders struggle to stay in the playoff picture and keep the dynasty going. And it's their two netminders that will lead the way. The Islanders were very angry going into their game against the Buffalo Sabres on January 4th, 1983. They had won just once in their last six games, had tumbled from first place, and weren't looking like the team that had just won the last three Stanley Cups. They won convincingly 5-2 and took their frustrations out on Buffalo and their coach Scotty Bowman, who had been chirping the aisles from behind the bench. Roland Melanson, who began the season as a backup and had been gradually getting more playing time than starter Billy Smith, made 18 saves for his fifth win in his last seven games. The victory would be the start of the Islanders' best run of the season after their scorching opening month. They would win six straight games from January 4th through the 18th and 11 of their next 15. With Smith having lost five of his last six starts, it was Melanson's time to shine. The 22-year-old would start six games in a row, relegating the previous season's Vezina Trophy winner to a bench warmer. Two were almost 10 years apart in age and had come to the Islanders at vastly different times in the franchise's life cycle, but they had found a rhythm and a partnership that worked for them. For one, they were both fiery and capable of random acts of violence. Smith was obviously legendary for his stick swinging, but Melanson wasn't one to back down, as evidenced by his altercation with Terry O'Reilly and nearly all of his Bruins teammates earlier in the season. Bob Bourne remarked, quote, He's a hothead, just the way Smitty plays. He's got that temper, and he's aggressive and very competitive, just like Smitty. Each absolutely hated to lose, with Smith making hasty exits from the ice and Melanson dwelling on mistakes. He once said, quote, I was a hard loser. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning after a loss and want to bite the doorknob off just to get out of the house. The way I saw it, losing was for losers. They also had a healthy respect for each other as players. Smith said of his younger teammate, quote, I think he could go to almost any team in the NHL and be first string. A lot of teams in this league that are on the verge, on the borderline, 
he would get them into the playoffs or to first place. Hey, I think he's worth two first-rounders, but they won't let him go. They're not foolish, and he's proven himself. But there was a limit to Smith's respect. His singular focus was always on the playoffs. He was perfectly fine with splitting time during the interminable slog of the regular season, saying, quote, I don't see me playing more than 40 games a year. I have the stamina to play back-to-back, but I hate to. Why burn yourself out when it's the playoffs that count? When those playoffs rolled around, Smith made sure that everyone knew that he was the top dog. Quote, Rowley has the greatest spirit on the team and the hardest job. He congratulates me after every win in the playoffs and helps me with tips. If he sees I'm doing something wrong, he'll come over and help me out. But he knows there's no way he'll get in there. Melanson knew this and didn't exactly love it. He considered Smith a good friend, but he understood the hierarchy and where the Islanders would go once the postseason started. He knew because he had lived it in the previous two seasons. Quote, Billy Smith is a great goaltender. Let's face it. Al had more confidence in Smitty. When it came down to the nitty-gritty, I sat on the bench. I came in here this year at camp and said, hey, listen, I don't want to be a backup goaltender. Right now, the Islanders couldn't afford to use Melanson as a backup. After that win over the Sabres, they blew out the Nordiques 6-1 on January 8th, earning back-to-back victories for the first time since October. Melanson, who made 24 saves, told reporters, quote, with this team and what it's capable of, When you look back at our record over the last few months and you see we've won two games in a row only once before this, boy, that's something to be ashamed of. A lot of teams that are awful hockey teams can win back-to-back games. They made it three in a row with a 4-1 win over Winnipeg. Alonson made 27 saves and picked up a sick assist on Mike Bossy's coast-to-coast goal. The goalie was singled out as a major reason why the Islanders had gained sole possession of second place in the Patrick division. He was 5-1-1 in his last six and had started eight of their last ten. Bossy skipped talking about his spectacular goal after the Jets game and instead said of Melanson, quote, We have a lot of confidence in him. We've always had as much confidence in Roley as we have in ourselves. Melanson did it again in a 5-2 win over New Jersey, in which he outdueled the man he supplanted on the Islanders roster, Chico Resch. Arbor told reporters that despite Melanson's run, he hadn't given up on Smith. Quote, I know he'll be in there when we need him. Still, the coach opted to ride the hot hand and start Melanson again the next night at home against Los Angeles. And again, the Islanders came out on top 5-2. John Tonelli led the way with a hat trick, but it was the young goalie who was feeling really good afterwards. Melanson told reporters, quote, I'm a lot more confident than I used to be. Billy Smith hadn't sat for six consecutive games since the opening month of the 1980 season. Smith had been riding the pine so long that his teammates gave him the derisive nickname of Splinters. But he dispelled the notion that he was disgruntled, telling the New York Times, quote, I was having a bad streak while the team was having a bad streak. Now the team's going well and Rolly's going well. I'd like to play, but I sure don't feel like going up and saying, play me or trade me. I don't want to be traded. Smith finally made his return to the crease in a home game against Hartford on January 18th. The game was an 8-1 laugher, but Smith made 33 saves and looked like himself again. It was a game he felt he had to win and despite the scoring outburst, he gave the Islanders the kind of performance that he had not for a good two months. At another point in his career, the chirping from his teammates would have led to a confrontation. But now, at 33 and with three cups under his belt, battling Billy found the humor in it. Quote, The guys have been great to me. They've ribbed me a lot, but they did it to let me know they were thinking of me. Then they go out and score all those goals. They made it easy, and it meant a lot. 
Melanson was back in net at the Montreal Forum for a game against the Habs and was once again excellent until a Mark Napier shot snuck through him with 2.25 left. The team settled for a 4-4 tie, and Melanson had to reflect on a challenge gone wrong. Quote, it was my fault. If it happened again, I'd make the save. I wouldn't challenge it. I wish I could have it back. Riding a seven-game unbeaten streak and trailing the first-place Flyers by six points, the Islanders knew their home game against Philadelphia would be a big one. Smith got the start and suffered a 1-0 loss, snapping their streak and helping them gain no ground. The team's performance was good, but the result wasn't there. Perhaps most importantly, the goaltending had emerged again as a real strength in the organization. Both Smith and Melanson got votes for the All-Star game, although neither would play in the event, held at Nassau Coliseum that season. But Kelly Rudy, still exiled to Indianapolis, was having a great campaign of his own and was named a second-team All-Star for the CHL. Rudy's impressive numbers made a few people wonder if Smith, who wasn't getting any younger, would be expendable at some point. Even Smitty himself had resigned to his replacement, saying, quote, It's going to happen someday. I know it. Sooner or later, it happens to everyone. Maybe. But for now, the Islanders were able to enjoy a five-day break before heading out on a West Coast swing at the end of January. Smith and Melanson would once again rotate and buoy the team to keep the points coming. Melanson made 33 saves in a 6-4 win in Los Angeles, before Smith had 35 saves in a 5-3 victory in Vancouver. Of course, a meeting between Smith and Tiger Williams resulted in punches thrown and another game misconduct for Old Tiger. Smith just got a double minor, but also took a puck in the throat on a shot by Anders Elderbrink that the veteran goalie shook off. Then it was Melanson's turn to steal the show, making 34 saves and a 4-2 win in Edmonton. He was 7-0-1 in his last eight and outdueled Oilers starter Andy Moog, who was unbeaten in his last 16 games, going 13-0-3. An effusive Al Arbor said afterward that, quote, Moog was good, but Rowley was fantastic. Melanson needed to make 15 saves in the first period alone before his teammates settled in and scored three times in the second period. Wayne Gretzky was held to a single assist for the game. The victory was the Islanders' third straight and made them 9-1-1 in their last 11. They were also finally over 500 on the road. Smith helped them earn a 2-2 tie in Calgary, their last game at the awful Stampede Corral, which no Islander was sad to see go. Gilly said he was going to miss the barn as much as he missed a hole in the head. The road trip ended with a 7-2 blowout in New Jersey, where Melanson made 28 saves and Chico Resch got chased after giving up five goals through two periods. They returned home after the successful trip and dropped a 4-2 loss to Minnesota. With a second period marred by penalties Smith called ridiculous, the North Stars scored twice inside of the last five minutes to steal the two points from the road-weary Isles. Quote, we lost it ourselves, according to Arbor. At the 35th annual NHL All-Star Game held at Nassau Coliseum on February 8, 1983, Wayne Gretzky won the MVP trophy by scoring four goals in the third period of the Campbell Conference's 9-3 win over the Wales Conference. It was a legendary performance that wouldn't be forgotten by anyone, least of all Canucks goalie John Garrett, who was actually voted the winner before the great one just straight up took it from him in a revote. Dennis Potvin, Brian Trottier, Mike Bossy, and Al Arbor represented the hometown Islanders, but were on the losing end of the school. They got back to work two nights later with an 8-3 win over Washington that allowed the Islanders to jump the Caps into second place in the Patrick division. Melanson only had to make 15 saves in the game, while Mike Bossy's hat trick and Clark Gilley's goal and assist did the heavy lifting. But they were knocked down again with back-to-back losses to Hartford and Quebec. Against the Whalers, Smith was good while facing a barrage of shots, 
but Mark Johnson's hat trick was the difference. Meanwhile, Melanson's personal winning streak came to an end in Quebec thanks to Marion Stastny's two goals. The Islanders had lost three of four, and Bill Torrey openly wondered what his team had left in them. Quote, question is, do they want to be satisfied with three championships in a row, or do they want to try for that extra notch or two that will put them in a special place in history? A Pittsburgh team that had won just once in their previous 19 games was just what the Islanders ordered. A 4-1 win over the Penguins put them back in second place, but it wasn't exactly a cakewalk. Smith still needed to make 33 saves. Given the unpredictability of their season, it was understandable to wonder how the Islanders would fare in their next game. Rather than falling off track again, they put together one of their best performances, and leading the way was Roly Melanson. A 5-0 home win over the Montreal Canadiens was Melanson's first shutout in 83 career games. Ironically, it came against his boyhood team. Quote, I've been following the Canadiens since I was 12 years old. Shutting out the Canadiens has been a fantasy for me. His 30 saves were part of a clinical Islanders win that harkened back to their previous seasons of domination. Nassau Coliseum appreciated the effort and serenaded the goalie with chants of Roly, Roly. Arbor called him, quote, magnificent. Melanson had ascended past the label of backup and into the upper echelon of the league. With 11 wins in his last 14 games, his record stood at 29-4 with a 2.71 goals against average, third best in the NHL. The crowd and his teammates may have wanted to salute him, but Roly the goalie's attention was on bigger things. Quote, I'll tell you one thing, I'd like to see us play like this for the next 19 games. Then I'll feel great. That is not what happened. The Islanders would follow that big 5-0 win with two lackluster ties, a 2-2 deadlock against Winnipeg, and a 4-4 stalemate at Chicago. After the first, Arbor was visibly and publicly pissed off. Quote, to say the least, I'm very, very annoyed with our team. I don't know what it takes to get through to them. Sometimes I have to wonder what they have between the years. They think they have one good game so they can take the next two weeks off. They take the next two weeks off in the playoffs, they'll be home real quick. They followed that with a 5-3 loss in Detroit, once again being bedeviled by goalie Corrado Mikulov. But it was the loss after that, a 2-0 shutout at home against Philadelphia, that seemed to be the nadir of the season. It was the fifth time they were blanked that season and the second straight time they were shut out by Flyers rookie Bob Froat. The Islanders were winless in five games against the Flyers with two to go. Bob Bourne called it, quote, embarrassing. I couldn't even begin to explain how much it hurts. It makes my blood boil. Butch Goring said, quote, I never thought I'd see the day when this would happen. How could anyone think it? Even Newsday's Pat Calabria had described the loss as part of, quote, the most humiliating season most of them had ever faced. Looking back, the reaction seemed very hyperbolic, but the Islanders did have reason to worry. There was a chance they could face the Flyers in the playoffs. Not being able to beat them was beginning to have a psychological effect, and with only 14 games left in the regular season, they needed to get over it. They started March with a 3-3 tie in Montreal that was almost a morale booster. They led 3-2 with 90 seconds to go before Guy Carboneau scored to not the game. Still, considering they were 0-2-3 in their last five and came back from being down 2-0, they happily took it. The winless streak was snapped with a 5-1 win over Toronto on March 3rd. Melanson only needed to make 20 saves in that one, but Smith had to make a ridiculous 39 in a 5-1 win over New Jersey two nights later. Despite the score, Smith was the only thing keeping the Islanders in the game through two periods, until a couple of third-period scores provided them with more of a cushion. 
But once again, it was the Stars that failed, derailing yet another winning streak. In St. Louis on March 8th, the Islanders were shut out 6-0 by the Blues, their NHL-leading sixth blanking. Following the footsteps of Corrado Mikalev and rookie Bob Froze, this time it was goalie Rick Hines making 39 saves in his second start of the season. Hines came into the game with a 5.26 goals against average. He left shutting out the three-time champs. Even his teammates couldn't explain it. Defenseman Andre Dore summed it up by saying, quote, Let's face it, it was unbelievable. Around this time, a heart-to-heart meeting took place in the Islanders' locker room. Arbor gave every player a chance to say their piece, even some directed at him. An agreement was made that nothing left the room, and a few changes were made. Arbor loosened the reins at practice, and assistant Lauren Henning started doing more behind the bench during games. The meeting helped settle everyone's nerves. The Islanders would not suffer another loss as embarrassing as the one against the Blues for the rest of the season. They would win eight of their final 11 games, with both goalies contributing greatly. Smith made 33 saves in a 4-3 comeback win over the Penguins that must have felt good after the debacle in St. Louis. Smith admitted to getting a little help from a lucky bounce that caused the puck to roll across his arm and away from the goal line, but he was happy to take it. Smith also got the start in the next game, a 4-2 win over Washington. That snapped Arbor's rotation, but his instincts worked. Smith's 24 saves helped the Islanders get clear of the Caps for second place in the Patrick division. The lead dropped back to two points after a 2-1 loss to the Rangers on March 16th. Melanson was excellent, making 27 saves, but Rayo Rutzelainen beat him late in the third period on, quote, one of the better shots I've seen. He put it over my shoulder and under the crossbar. A hell of a play. They followed that up with a pair of blowout wins, 9-5 over New Jersey and 9-2 over Philadelphia, finally beating the Flyers for the first time that season. All it took was having 25-year-old rookie Matt Hallen score his first NHL hat-trick and getting 40 saves from Melanson to do it. They followed the two blowouts with a 3-1 loss to the Bruins at Nassau Coliseum. Smith's 20 saves couldn't help the Islanders break out of the Bruins' tight checking system. It was their 11th home loss of the season, the most they had had since 1976-77. But more importantly, it took them out of a chance at first place and back into a tie for second with Washington. They jumped back into second with a 3-2 revenge win over the Rangers. Sure, they almost blew a 3-0 lead, but they secured the win thanks to another 20 saves from Smith, who made his fifth start in seven games. At this point, the rotation between he and Melanson was over, but each man knew what was at stake. Smith said, quote, We know we can't afford to lose another game. That victory was the first of a string of four straight wins. Melanson started the next night in Pittsburgh and made 27 saves in a 4-1 win. Penguins defenseman Randy Carlisle said they looked like, quote, the Islanders of old. Old in this case, meaning a year earlier. Before the game, Captain Dennis Potman delivered some surprising news to his teammates. They were actually in the driver's seat to win a postseason award that had only existed for one year. From 1946 to 1981, the symbol of goaltending excellence in the NHL was the Vezina Trophy. Throughout that entire time, it was not a voting award. The goalie or goalies who gave up the least amount of goals during the regular season were simply awarded the Vezina every year. While it's hard to argue against most Vezina winners throughout this period, including all-time greats like Jacques Plante, Glenn Hall, Tony Esposito, Bernie Perrant, and Ken Dryden, the goals against criteria usually meant that the goalie on the best team won. And it didn't leave room for other great goaltenders to be recognized. So 
So a change was made in 1981 to update the way the Vezina was awarded, and the Board of Governors added a new trophy that would go to teams giving up the least goals in the season. The William Jennings Trophy was named after the longtime governor and president of the New York Rangers and an early NHL builder. It was first awarded in the 1982 season to the tandem of Rick Wamsley and Dennis Heron of the Montreal Canadiens, who allowed an NHL low 223 goals that season. The Vezina then became an award voted on by the league's general managers. And the first winner of the new voting-based Vezina Trophy? Ironically, it was Billy Smith, who beat Edmonton's Grant Fuhrer by 20 votes. Also ironically, despite being named after a Rangers president, as of 2023, no Rangers goalie tandem has ever won the Jennings Trophy. I just thought I'd point that out. Back to 1983 and the Islanders' locker room before their win over the Penguins on March 27th. Dennis Potvin announced to his teammates that thanks to the Boston Bruins losing 5-1 to to the Hartford Whalers earlier in the day, the Islanders had now given up one less goal than the Bruins had that season with just four games to go, including the one they were set to play. Smith and Melanson had surrendered 218 total goals to the 219 given up by Pete Peters and his backups Mike Moffat and Marco Barron. In the span of a week, the Islanders had jumped from third in goals against to first. They didn't expect to be there, but they definitely noticed. Suddenly, a regular season packed with emotional, draining ups and downs had a purpose. The Islanders cheered the news Potvin delivered with applause and pounding of walls. Players were visibly fired up at the opportunity to nail down a trophy for their goalies. Melanson said after the win, quote, That was all we were talking about. Dennis Potvin came in the room before the game and gave us the score, and we couldn't help but think about it. In addition to getting some unexpected help in the Jennings race from the Whalers, the Islanders were also aided in their quest for second place in the Patrick Division by another unlikely source. The Rangers had beaten Washington on March 27th, giving their suburban rivals a tie for second with a game against the Caps coming up. The Islanders took that contest with authority, demolishing the Caps 7-1 and putting second place out of their reach. Smith's 22 saves also helped keep him and Melanson in the driver's seat for the Jennings. The trophy was definitely motivating them now. Melanson directly said so after an eventful 6-3 win over the Penguins in the penultimate game of the season. Quote, It'd be nice to win something like that, especially with the strange season we've had. Rowley made 17 saves, Mike Bossy scored his 60th goal of the season, and the Islanders won an important late-season game. They were still in the Jennings race, too, still leading the Bruins by two goals against. Both the Islanders and Bruins would allow four goals in their final games of the season. The Bruins tied Montreal 4-4, and the Islanders lost 4-2 to the Flyers. But the season-ending defeat was far from a disappointment. For one, the Islanders were already guaranteed second place in the Patrick Division, locking in home ice advantage for the first round of the playoffs. And second, they kept that two-goal lead over the Bruins and won the Jennings Trophy, allowing 226 goals to Boston's 228. It was the first time in their history that the Islanders led the league in goals against. The accomplishment was noteworthy and gave the meandering team something to focus on late in the season as they tried to straighten out a rocky ride. Al Arbor said after the game, quote, We wanted it badly for our goalies. We lost, but the game didn't mean anything in the standings. What we were aiming for was to get that trophy for our goalies. Arbor also said he had no plans to pull Smith with the Islanders down 3-2 with less than five minutes left in the third period. When Bill Barber scored to make it 4-2 with 3-21 remaining, the Islanders closed ranks defensively and barely took any shots of their own. 
Bob Nystrom said they were proud of the Jennings win, but Smith, who made 41 saves against the Flyers, wasn't in an overly joyous mood. Quote, It's nice. It's not just an award for goalies. I think of it as a team award. It's just another trophy, and it doesn't mean anything if you don't win the Stanley Cup. Technically, this episode would end here, with the Islanders securing the Jennings Trophy despite their rocky regular season. But there is so much more to the story of Billy Smith and Rolly Melanson in 1983 that needs to be covered. So we'll do that in an episode about Smith's Conn Smythe Trophy-winning postseason of 1983 that releases next week. Check it out to find out how the two goalies worked together to pace the Islanders to their fourth straight Stanley Cup and how one became basically the most hated man in Canada. I'll give you one guess which one it was. For the majority of the 1982-83 regular season, the Islanders looked like anything but the best team in hockey. There were scoring slumps and defensive lapses that would have been unthinkable in the preceding three seasons. Players were frustrated, the coach was dumbfounded, and the fan base was getting anxious that their run at the top was over. But all season long, and with few exceptions, both Billy Smith and Roly Melanson stopped the pucks the Islanders needed them to. The season was a roller coaster, but whether the team was up or down, their goalies were there, and that's the best support you can ask for. It would be a long, long, long time before the Islanders found this kind of stability in goal again. The days of Smith Resch, Smith Melanson, and Smith Rudy would spoil fans who had come to count on their team always having solid goaltending, no matter who was in net. For almost three decades, the franchise searched desperately for the same kind of luxury. There would be some good goalies mixed in here and there, but generally Long Island became a graveyard of unreliable net mining. That changed in 2019, when the Islanders took home their second Jennings Trophy, thanks to goalies Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice, goaltending coaches Mitch Korn and Piero Greco, and new head coach Barry Trotz. Following the departure of star center John Tavares as a free agent, Trotz came to a club in turmoil and instilled a defensive structure that it had not had since the Al Arbor days. Previous season, the Islanders had allowed an absurd 296 goals against, the most in the league and the highest number any team had had in about 30 years. The 2018-19 Islanders flipped the script entirely by becoming the stingiest team in the league and immediately forging a new identity as a defensive buzzsaw. Leonard was a finalist for the Vezina Trophy that season, finishing with a 25-13-5 record and a spectacular 9.30 save percentage. He also won the Masterton Trophy for overcoming his substance abuse and mental health issues to put together an incredible season. But the quiet, dependable Grice was equally as good in 2018-19, going 23-14-4 with a 9.27 save percentage. Like Billy Smith before him, Leonard was quick to heap praise on his teammates for keeping his net clean. Yeah, it's pretty special, but it's... uh... It's not just uh, me and Thomas. It's a, I, I see this as a team award. Uh, just uh, the way we fought all year. Uh, everyone buying into our game plan and playing defense and blocking shots. And Yeah, it's, it's been a collective effort uh, from, from the whole team, and it's pretty special. I got to tell you, I've watched teams with shaky goaltending, and I don't recommend it. The Jennings isn't a trophy most hockey fans are hoping to win in a year, but man, it feels damn good to take it. Maybe not Stanley Cup good, but knowing that whichever goal your team starts has a very good chance to win a game is very, very satisfying. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracini. 
Special thanks to Kevin Schultz. Visit Kevin's shop at VintageIceHockey.com where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also has our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Be sure to visit LighthouseHockey.com every day and subscribe to Islanders Anxiety Podcasts. Sign up at Patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for even more. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. To learn more, log on to FansFirstSports.com.